the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler, uh, who's an expert on credit. Uh, she's a credit expert at credit.com, and she's written a new book called Stop Debt Collectors. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Jordan. Let's first of all just kind of start about the current uh, situation, about the amount of debt consumers are in, and and what, what kind of trouble are in are people in these days based on the amount of debt they've got? Well, you and I have been following this for a long time, and I think you know probably every year we think it can't get worse, and unfortunately it has. So it's it's not a surprise that we've come to this point. What I've been seeing is that unfortunately the the unsecured debt levels in particular have gotten so high that they've they've um, basically ruled out some of the options that have been the traditional options for consumers. For example, credit counseling. I still suggest seeking out help from a reputable credit counseling agency, but for people who are carrying 50000 or even $250,000 in credit card debt, which is, is one of the cases that I've seen recently, um, that becomes very difficult. And then, of course, the mortgage debt is especially tricky because it's not something you can liquidate easily. And the way the bankruptcy laws are written right now, it's it's very difficult to get out from under a very uh, onerous uh, mortgage debt, and so it's it's a really it's a really tricky time for a lot of people. So um, the, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act has been around for quite a while. Uh, why did you feel it was necessary to do a new book on uh, how to uh, protect yourself against debt collectors? Well, debt collection, the debt collection industry generates more complaints than any other industry to the Federal Trade Commission. They do an annual report to Congress about it, and they receive thousands of complaints about debt collectors. In fact, there was a hearing on Capitol Hill a couple weeks ago about the debt settlement industry, and one of the experts said that one in seven Americans are dealing with a debt collector, which seems like a huge number. And if you don't know your rights, it's pretty easy to be to be pushed in a direction that may not make the, make the best financial sense in the long run. Let's just start with that. Uh, people are often confused about the difference between credit counseling and debt settlement because they see things about them both all the time. Why don't you just briefly tell us the difference between the two and when one is appropriate and when the other might be appropriate. Sure. Credit counseling is a creditor-sanctioned program where you go to the credit counseling agency, they go over your budget and your credit card debts, and then they, uh, the creditors have agreed for consumers who go into a debt management program with one of these companies to usually reduce interest and waive fees. So, for example, um, certain credit card companies will bring your interest down to maybe 0% or 9% or something probably lower than what you're paying if you follow the plan. And then with the debt management program, you make one monthly payment to the credit counseling agency, and they pay each of your participating creditors each month on a plan that will typically get you out of debt in three to five years. So it's a creditor-approved program, and it's really appropriate for someone who maybe has a lot of high interest rates, hasn't really been able to budget or manage their money on their own, but could get out of debt, could pay off all their debt, 100% of the debt plus interest, over three to five years if they were on a program and if they stopped charging. And with credit counseling, that's, that's one of the benefits. You stop charging, you make one monthly payment to them. And 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 how so 
there are times when you think that can be appropriate, don't you think? Absolutely. In fact, I tell, I tell people it doesn't hurt to reach out to a reputable credit counseling agency. No one's going to know that you talk to them. It's not going to be reported on your credit report. It's not going to affect your credit just to have a consultation. And I'd really like to see people reach out there sooner rather than later because a lot of the consumers I talk with have waited and, and they they may have fewer options at that point. But certainly there's no harm in talking to a counseling agency. But if you're like many people, you'll find that they may not be able to help you with a debt management program. Either you have too much debt, so your payments would be too high, or maybe you already have a lot of debt, but you've negotiated your interest rates down, so there really wouldn't be much relief there for you in terms of the monthly payment. Or you might have the wrong type of debt. You might be struggling with mortgage debt or student loan debt or an auto payment that's too high, something that they can't really help you with. So in those cases, if the credit counseling agency comes back and says, we can't really help you, then your next step is to look into options like debt settlement or possibly bankruptcy. So why don't you describe debt settlement and the pros and cons of that? Sure. I don't know what it's like where you are, Jordan, but we have we have these signs posted on just about every telephone pole down oh, here in Florida, right? right. <laughs> they say, well, settle your debts for 50 cents on the dollar. Debt settlement has been around for about 10 years, but it's just exploded in the past year or so. And the reason it's become so popular, of course, is because so many people are struggling with their credit cards. And the idea of being able to pay off 50% of your debt as opposed to 100% is very attractive. What debt settlement companies do is they basically walk you through a process of stopping payment on all your unsecured loans. So you're going to stop paying your credit card company. You're going to keep paying your mortgage and your auto loan and your student loan, but you're going to stop paying the credit cards, and you'll start setting aside money. And as you build up the money you've set aside and your accounts become more and more delinquent, creditors um, or collection agencies, depending on how far it goes, are going to start getting worried that you're not going to pay anything, that you're going to end up in bankruptcy. And so they'll, they'll often offer very low settlement offers. Sometimes it's 30 cents of the, on the dollar, sometimes it's 50 cents, sometimes it's 70 cents. But they'll start offering these settlements. And if you're saving up money to settle your debts, then you're going to be able to make a lump sum payment, settle the debts, and then hopefully um, get rid of all your unsecured debt and move back toward building financial health. So, but what does that do to your credit? It ruins your credit. I mean, any credit counseling, any debt settlement agency that says this does not ruin your credit is not telling the truth that you should call somebody else or look at some other option. But all of them do say that usually, right? Yeah. Well, some of them are a little more frank about it than others. Your credit will be shot. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that for someone who really needs this option, your credit's going to end up shot anyway. Uh, because if you don't do this, you're going to end up in bankruptcy, and either one is going to be bad on your credit. I don't agree with some of the settlement agencies say, that say, well, it's better than bankruptcy. It's not necessarily better than bankruptcy. The difference is uh, what I advise consumers is to consider debt settlement if you cannot file a straight Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Straight Chapter 7 bankruptcy is where you wipe out most or maybe all of your debts, and you're done pretty quickly with the process. Uh, I know that most people I talk to do not want to go through bankruptcy. It's the last resort for most people, but at the same time, it's there for a reason, and it offers legal protection that debt settlement doesn't. 
But if you can't file Chapter 7 and you're one of the many consumers now who would be funneled into a Chapter 13 plan where you pay back some or all of your debt, typically over five years, sometimes shorter depending on what you owe, then this may be a good alternative to Chapter 13 because, unfortunately, with bankruptcy reform, Chapter 13 has become much more difficult and onerous for a lot of people. Yeah. Let's get back again. Um, Jerry Detweiler has done a book called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Maybe we should just do, in Chapter 1, you have a basic uh, explanation of the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Without going into too much detail, why don't you just give us some of the basic protections that people have, at least in theory, under that act? Sure. The most important protections you have under the Federal Fair Debt Collection Practices Act are the rights to dispute a debt if you don't think it's correct, as well as um, you, you're, the debt collector is not allowed to harass you or use illegal methods to try to collect your debt. So there are rules they have to follow. And they're pretty good rules. If you know your rights and you pay attention, you've got some good protection there against collection a- some of the collection agency practices. But don't, in fact, many of them not follow those rules and do threaten and harass people and intimidate them in various ways? Well, that's, that's the problem. I mean, that's why we see so many complaints to the Federal Trade Commission. We talk in the book, John Ventura, my co-author, who's been a consumer attorney for many years, had a client who actually tried to commit suicide when a debt collector showed up on her doorstep and said if she didn't pay, she would lose her house that day. Mm-hmm. It was completely illegal threat. She tried to kill herself. Fortunately, her daughter came home and saved her. Um, but, you know, that's an extreme example. But even a debt collector who breaks the law, say, by calling every hour or calling repeatedly at work could put a consumer into such stress that they do consider something like suicide or at a minimum uh, pay a debt maybe that they don't owe or or that isn't a priority debt for them. What what are some of the advice you give on when you should talk with a debt collector and and how you should... Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't just hang up on them. That's not going to help anything. No, and and, and that's one of the things we talk about in Stop Debt Collectors. We're not trying to tell people, avoid your debts. We're not trying to give them, you know, methods to to wiggle out of their debts. We want them to be able to resolve their debts. And to do that, you are going to have to communicate with debt collectors. But the communication is supposed to stay professional. One thing we do highly recommend is that you keep notes of every single conversation and copies of every piece of correspondence from or to a debt collector. So on a credit Credit.com, if you just go to credit.com and put the forward slash and stop debt collectors, you'll come to a page that has a free worksheet you can download. Keep notes of every conversation, what was said, because if the call does get out of hand or if they make some threats that may be illegal and you keep a record of it, then you've got some good, at a minimum, negotiating leverage. At a maximum, you may need to see a consumer law attorney. Are you supposed to record? I mean, you could, it could be a he said, she said kind of a thing if you don't record the conversation, I suppose. Exactly. And it's also difficult to remember when these things get heated up and you get scared or they're intimidating you, you may not even remember a conversation the next day. So just jotting down notes of what was said and, and what and what you were concerned about is something that could help jog your memory or, or at least even, even be admissible in court if you have to, if you have to take them to court. Now, you say if you violated, uh, feel your rights have been violated, uh, you should file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. Is is that, in fact, effective at this point? Is the FTC able to 
to help with these individual situations? Yeah, the FTC isn't going to get involved in your individual dispute with the debt collector. What they are going to do is collect these complaints, and as I mentioned, they make a report to Congress every year, and they have made some proposals to Congress to strengthen the Fair Credit or Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Um, for example, one of the things that they're suggesting is that debt collectors not to be allowed to send these bundled notices. You ask for verification of the debt, they send this big figure, and you have no idea how much the original amount was, how much is due to attorney fees or collection costs or interest or whatever, and it can be hard to decipher whether that amount is accurate. I just talked to a, a consumer, Jordan, a couple weeks ago. He had a debt that was charged off a year ago, and now a year later it had doubled. It had doubled, and he's not even sure if that amount is correct. So the idea of of complaining to the Federal Trade Commission is so that they understand what's going on and then they can make recommendations to Congress or consumer advocates and, and our representatives in Washington could make laws that would strengthen it. Yep. Okay, we're about to go to a break here. Um, I'm speaking with Jerry Detweiler, who's a famous uh, credit expert. Uh, she's with Credit.com. Uh, the new book she's come out with is called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Uh, learn How to Stop Collector Harassment exercise your debt collection rights, negotiate lower payoffs, and protect your credit scores. All very important things in today's economy. And we'll be back after this. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. With Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. What can you tell me about Skills USA? Skills USA teaches you employability skills. So you know how to deal with people, you have teamwork, your resume is going to look awesome. Well, it's important to know your technical skills, but not only that, to have soft skills, the skills of learning how to communicate with people. On the web at skillsusa.org. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. 
Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler, uh, who's a famous uh, credit expert. Uh, She's come out with a new book called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Uh, Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you, Jordan. Let's tell people a little bit about how to get this book and and, uh, the sponsoring organization, Credit.com, what they're about a little bit. Sure. Credit.com is a free personal finance resource for consumers looking for answers to credit questions, much like your site. And uh, uh, if you go to Credit.com and then put in the slash Stop Debt Collectors, you'll come to the page for the book, and it is available as an e-book there, which means you can purchase it and download it immediately. There's also a a CD interview with myself and John Ventura, my co-author. And then there's also on that page a free worksheet that you can download, even if you don't get the book and you don't have to give your email address or any information, just download the worksheet and keep it by your phone. So if you do get a call from a debt collector, you have it ready and you can make sure you take notes. Okay, is there a phone number for the people to find out as well? It's only online at this point. Uh, well, they can certainly go to credit.com and our, our toll-free number's on there, and they're certainly welcome to call us if they have questions about the book as well. We're happy to help. Very good. Okay, your second chapter is called Responding uh, to a Debt Collector. Um, so let's briefly go through the different options you have when, when somebody uh, calls. These are not pleasant calls to get, but you have to deal with them one way or the other. Yeah, they're not. So so my best advice if you get a call from a debt collector is, first of all, to just try to be as calm and, and brief as possible. So, for example, if you haven't received anything in the mail from them, just say, um, would you mind sending me something in the mail? I need to check this out. I'm not sure what the deal is. Or I can't talk to you right now. Will you please send it to me in the mail? They're required by law to send you um, the details of the debt within five days of a phone call. So you, you have to get something by mail just explaining that they're trying to collect a debt. And that way you'll have their address and the name of the company and all the things you need to, to check them out. Then once you get that, you also have 30 days to dispute the debt. So if you think the amount is incorrect, if you think it's the wrong date or the wrong creditor, or you don't know whether you owe the debt, you have the right to send them a letter and say, I'm disputing this debt, please verify it for me. And that gives you some time to decide how you're going to deal with that debt. I don't recommend one of the strategies that you see a lot on the Internet, which is just sending them a cease communication letter. That's a letter saying, don't don't call me anymore. The reason is, a lot of creditors and collectors now, if they get a cease communication letter, the only option they have is to take you to court. So they will automatically queue you up for the legal department. So you don't want to shut down communication with them necessarily. There are some times when that makes sense, and we talk about it in the book, but generally you have to stay in touch with them. So then, so then just in general, talking with a debt collector, it can be very hard to keep it civil and calm, especially if the debt collector starts getting aggressive. So again, you're taking notes. But your attitude, if you know your rights, your attitude kind of shifts because instead of feeling intimidated, you are looking for a way to work it out, but you're also paying attention to whether they might be saying things that are illegal. And if they do, that gives you some extra negotiating leverage to work something out with them. So keep it calm, keep it brief, don't provide a lot of explanation. They really honestly don't care 
what, what kind of problems you're in. They just want to know whether they're going to collect. So you don't need to tell them about your job hunt and what you've been doing. You can just say, I'm out of work. I'm looking for a job. I can't do anything to pay this debt right now, but I'll be happy to call you in a month. That's all you can, that's all you can do. What kind of leeway do the debt collectors have um, as far as, you know, giving, letting you, uh, giving you a break, basically, is what it comes down to in various ways? Well, a lot of debt collectors can negotiate the amount or work out a payment plan with you, and they want, that will not happen if you don't talk to them. So, again, you have to be willing to get engaged in some conversation. It depends on how old the debt is and whether they owe the debt or not in terms of how much they can negotiate, and that can be difficult for you to figure out. If the debt is pretty old and if it's been sold to a couple of different collection agencies, let's say one couldn't collect, it was sold to a second, there's a very good chance that debt has been bought for pennies on the dollar, meaning that they have a lot of negotiating room. Even a debt that isn't with a debt collector yet, let's say you've fallen behind on your Visa credit card, right before that debt is charged off or right before they send it out for collections, usually is also a very good time to negotiate a settlement because they know that if they have to send it out to collections, they're going to have to pay the collection agency, and they also know their chances of collecting aren't that good. So there's a couple of times where you really can get a very good deal provided you can come up with a lump sum in order to settle the debt. So settling at that point before it's gone to a collection agency would be uh, a, a lump sum amount, not a payment plan at that point. Is that what That's you're correct. That's correct. And even debt, even debt collectors really would not prefer the payment plan. Now, they may tell you that they can only accept 100% and put you on a payment plan, but usually that's that's not quite accurate. They usually have some room to negotiate, and and payment plans aren't their favorite thing either because they know dealing with the you know consumers who are having trouble paying their with their debts. They know that the chances of collecting all those payments over time can be you know pretty low. But I mean, also the chance of somebody being able to come up with a lump sum are pretty low too in that circumstance. They would have paid already if they had a. Not for the payment, never mind the lump sum. Yeah, that that can be, although keep in mind a couple of things. I mean, first of all, if if a debt is older, let's say it's been sitting out there for a while and they're contacting you now about it, your financial circumstances may be different. You may just have thought, well, I will never have to deal with this debt again. They can't find me, and then suddenly they pop out of the blue four years later and they're trying to collect. At that point, you may may be able to make a payment. Uh, The other thing is sometimes... Consumers will, uh, it's not uncommon for consumers, for example, to borrow from friends and family or to find a way to come up with some money, maybe sell the snowmobile that's sitting in the garage or something else, and they can't pay all their debts, but they want to pay something. And in that case, uh, knowing how much you have to work with and prioritizing those debts can allow you to settle, hopefully, the maximum amount of debts for whatever you have to work with, whatever you can really afford. One question I hear all the time is, what is the statute of limitations on that? If it's been sold off and they're coming back to you, you know, seven years later or a long time, um, does it help your credit at all, or should you actually put money, kind of put good money towards bad, or, or just let it go? Yeah, that's a great question, and I hear it all the time too. Um, the statute of limitations refers to the time in your state that they have to successfully sue you for the debt. It doesn't mean that they can't try to collect the debt. So let's say the statute of limitations in your state is seven years and a debt is um, eight years old. They could still try to collect from you, but if they if they took you to court 
and you responded to that, uh, to the notice that they sent you, you could raise the statute of limitations as your defense and they would lose. What happens, unfortunately, is people will not respond to legal notices. They just are, are afraid to. They don't respond. And then the creditor automatically, or the collector, automatically gets what's called a default judgments, judgment against them. And a judgment has its own credit reporting period. It has its own time collection period. It starts a whole new collection uh, method of collection. They may be able to garnish wages in some states, go after bank accounts. So you don't want it to get to that point. You, you want to make sure you know the statute of limitations and if it's outside the statute of limitations that you respond if they're still trying to collect that you don't ignore it. Hmm. So that's news for a lot of people because they they think that, uh, well, I mean, what I hear all the time is I shouldn't pay it because it's over seven years and statute of limitations, but you have to take those legal steps to defend yourself. There's a legal defense available, but you're saying a lot of people actually don't take them up on it. That's correct. That's correct. And And a lot of times, you know, uh, people don't understand. They think it means they have to leave them alone, and that's in some states that's true. Sometimes it's an absolute, uh, you know, time period. But in other states, they can still try to collect. But you have rights. And the seven years, Jordan. I want to point out that there's a separate law that covers how long it can stay on your credit report. That's the Fair uh, Credit Reporting Act, and that law says that collection accounts can stay on your credit for seven and a half years from the date you first fell behind with the original creditor. So if you closed out that cell phone, uh, you thought you closed out and paid off that cell phone bill in January of 1990, and then lo and behold, there was a, a last bill there that you never caught, and it, it ended up in collections. It can remain on your credit report for seven and a half years from that January 1990, regardless of whether you pay it, regardless of whether it's sent to five different collection agencies. That's that's governed by the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Doesn't have anything to do with your state statute of limitations. It's a separate time period for reporting it. Unfortunately, these accounts are reported incorrectly all the time. I, I mean, all the time. And when they are, seven years. it, it should, stays on there longer. Yeah. Yep. It, it's it's supposed to come off after seven years, but in fact, it doesn't. In many cases, is what you're saying. Many cases, it's reported incorrectly. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, do you have any leverage with the debt collectors as far as your credit report and what they will and will not put on your credit report? It's certainly worth a try. Uh, it really depends on the circumstances surrounding the debt, but it's it's never, you know, not asking is an automatic no, so it certainly doesn't hurt to try. And I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I was fighting over uh, with our health insurance company over a bill, and I, it ended up in collections. And when the collection agency called me, I knew ultimately I was responsible for that bill. Uh, even though I thought the insurance company should pay, I knew I was responsible to the, the provider. So I said, look, you fax me something right away that says that you aren't going to put it on my credit report and I will give you you know, payment by credit card immediately. And they were willing to work with me. I knew the bill was legitimate, so we just took care of it and never showed up on my credit. Now, if it was a legitimate bill and I just refused to pay it, and it went on for a few years, then to ask them to remove it from my credit... Um, would be a lot, it'd be tough because let's let's think about it. The the collectors say I'd love to be able to remove it in exchange for payments. They say that would be my best. That would that would increase my collection rates, you know, exponentially. Because everyone would say, sure, I'll pay it if you'll take it off my credit. But the credit bureaus don't don't allow them to do that. So it doesn't hurt to ask, but you really have to look at the circumstances. And if the bill is something that's disputed, there was a valid dispute behind it then you, you're much more likely to get them to agree than if it's just a bill you just couldn't and didn't pay. But either way, whether you paid or not, 
it gets older and it comes off your credit after seven and a half years. So it may be the least of your worries. In theory, it does. <laughs> yeah, in theory, it does. That's right, if you're watching those dates. Yeah. Uh, when should you offer to settle your debt for less than the amount you owe? I think you, if, if you cannot afford to pay the full amount, then you should be negotiating to pay what you can afford if it's realistic. So if all you can afford is to pay is 10 cents on the dollar, then they may not be willing to go for that. But if you can come up with a lump sum, then it's a, it's a negotiating process. And there's no magic language, but like everything else, you need to start low and, and know what your, know what your limit is, know what you can afford to pay, be willing to cut off the negotiations there, stay calm, keep notes, and uh, a lot of times you can resolve the debt for, uh, for a good balance. Okay, very good. I'm gonna, we're going to come back. I'm speaking with uh, Jerry Detweiler, who's written a new book called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Very important in today's economy with lots of debt out there with among consumers. We'll be back after that. The Bottom Line in Business, Voice America Business. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. America is facing a skilled workforce shortage. SkillsUSA can help. What is SkillsUSA? SkillsUSA is life-changing. SkillsUSA is awesome. SkillsUSA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. SkillsUSA is amazing. SkillsUSA is motivating. SkillsUSA specifically prepares you for the workforce. SkillsUSA empowers students to connect with a network of people, starting with their classmates, to their advisors, to other people in their state. SkillsUSA allows students to connect with business and industry, to manage their education, and to really get a feel of the real world. I'm doing something now that's going to be applicable in the real world, and those skills are going to be useful today in school and in five years when I'm working and for the rest of my life. On the web at skillsusa.org. Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business.
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler, a credit expert. She's written a new book called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you. We want to talk a little bit about removing collection accounts uh, from your credit reports. Uh, you were saying this is something you may be able to negotiate a little bit. How can you remove some of these things so it doesn't hurt your credit score so badly and still be legitimate? Well, definitely it's a negotiation process. The other thing that can happen is if you, let's say you do resolve a, a debt and it's settled and paid off, um, you have the right, if the information is inaccurate or incomplete, you have the right to dispute it. And if it's not confirmed, it will be removed from your credit. But th- there's two other things I, I want to point out. One is the older the information becomes, the less important it is as far as calculating your credit score. So a lot of times um, I'll talk to people who are so worried about their credit rating or their credit score, but at the same time they're, they're, they're overpaying, they're paying extremely high interest rates, they're not willing to just resolve the debt, settle the debt and, and get it done with and move forward their, with their financial life. So it's almost like they're paying to maintain the status quo when, in fact, in, in truth, in their financial health, they really need to, you know, take the hard decisions, the hard steps, get, get done with the debt, and then move back to recovering. So I guess the bottom line is it won't hurt you forever. Even if you have a collection account or multiple collection accounts on there, the older they become, the less important they are to your credit score. And eventually, if they are reported correctly, they will come off your credit report, and if they aren't correct, uh, reported correctly, you need to you need to get them off there. This was part of the FACTA law from 2005, right? That just, that's correct. Because right. yeah. before that, they would stay on there forever. You didn't really have the right to challenge them, but that's what made things better. Yeah, there was a loophole that let them stay on there a lot longer than they should. So it was it was clarified with FACTA. You're correct. Now, you said there are special rules for reporting student loans and tax liens. Tell us about that a little bit. Right. Well, tax liens are the worst. I mean, they're, they, they are the absolute worst when it comes to your credit. It's no surprise the, gov- the government has let them, you know, let themselves have the most leverage when it comes to your credit. If you don't pay or resolve a tax lien, it can stay on your credit report indefinitely. And, and once it is paid or settled, let's say through an offer of compromise, then it will stay on your credit report for seven years from the date it was released. And you have to make sure that you get the notice of release of tax lien from the IRS and get that to the credit bureaus because that isn't always accurately updated with the credit bureaus. So the IRS have, does not tell the credit bureaus about that. Notice. Not necessarily, no. So you have to make sure you get that notice of release, and then it's another seven years once that's been listed on your credit report. So if if you can do anything to avoid a tax lien, absolutely try to so do it's, so. It's really not going to come off for seven years is what you're saying. Almost no, no, it's not. And, yeah. and if you have one on there, try to at least resolve, even if you have to settle it through an offer and compromise, try to resolve the debt so you can get it again, get it behind you. to your credit report or your credit score does a tax lien do? It's very serious. I mean, it's as serious as bankruptcy, so it affects your credit score significantly. Wow. Okay, and how about with student loans? 
student loans are, are interesting because they, they definitely affect your credit, and if you fall behind, it's, you know, it's negative like everything else. But there is a, a, a rehabilitation program for federal student loans. And so if you do fall behind and you then rehabilitate your loan by paying it on time every month for 9 to 12 months, depending on which, pro, which type of loan you have, they will actually remove the late payments for you. So you sort of get a clean slate again by going through student loan rehabilitation. So if you're in trouble with your student loans, I do recommend you go to the Department of Education website and check out the section on student loan rehabilitation and see whether you can get in that program. If you do, make sure you make every one of those payments on time so you can rehabilitate the loan and, and get it off your credit. So if you do rehabilitate, it's, it, it is something that's going to come off your credit before seven years, is that what you're saying? That's correct. That's correct. Once you've completed your rehabilitation, they will update your credit report to remove the late payments that were leading up to the rehabilitation period. You have a section in this chapter on working with credit repair organizations. Now, there's a lot of places out there who say they can repair your credit. Who can and who cannot help you and what can they do for you that you can't do yourself or, or do not need them at all? Well, I think you have to be very careful when you're choosing a credit repair organization, and I think one of the most important things is to really understand uh, understand your rights and be willing to ask the questions about what they realistically can and can't do. Um, one of the things that I think a lot of us do when it comes to our money is we just don't want to deal with it. And so we turn everything over to someone else without without understanding what goes behind the process. And any time you don't understand what's behind it and you don't ask good questions, that's when you are, are most at risk of being ripped off. So even, for example, with debt settlement, which I'm one of the few consumer advocates who says there is a place for it. There, There is a place where it can serve a need for a consumer. Even there, if you're not educated, you can end up going for the, the company that's not going to be around in three years when your debt is still trying to be settled versus one that can really help you through the process. Ultimately, with your credit report, the most important thing you can do as a consumer is to check it, review it, make sure it's accurate and complete, and make sure that you have positive current references paid on time every single month because the most important thing on your credit score is the most recent two years of payment history uh, that's reflected there, and that needs to be very strong. The more recent, uh, the more weight it has, the further you go back, the less weight it tends to have. Exactly, exactly. All right. Uh, you have a very interesting chapter four, which is other things you need to know about debt and debt collection. Let's just go some of the, through these brief, briefly. Uh, you say post-dated checks are dangerous, and why is that? Yeah, do not send post-dated checks. Um, and more recently, the, the what the debt collectors ask you for is your bank account number because they want to automatically withdraw payments from your bank account uh, over a period of time. We never recommend you give them their bank account number unless you have maybe set up a separate account just for that particular debt, and you can transfer the money over that you need when that debt payment is going to come due. But um, giving a, a debt collector carte blanche to your bank account is just a recipe for disaster. I mean, if the money's taken out and it's not the right amount or the right time, it's gone, and then you have to try to get it back. So I don't like that method at all. And as far as recording phone conversations with debt collectors, you think in general that's a good idea? 
If you can, yes, and different states have different laws that cover when you can do it without asking them or when you can. And one technique, as someone told me recently, was if you're talking to a debt collector and it gets out of hand, you can just say, "Um, you know, would you mind if I just record this conversation? A lot of times they'll decide they'd rather either be nicer or <laughs> or not continue the conversation. So oh. you certainly want to know whether you have to ask, whether that's required under your state's um, laws, whether you have to ask them first. But, yeah, keeping it on record is always good. And how about when you're responsible for other people's debt? Maybe you've co-signed an loan or something like that. What should you do there? Oh, that's a huge one. I I can't tell you how many consumers I've talked to have been had their credit ruined by someone else who didn't pay a debt that they co-signed for. As far as your credit goes, it is your debt. It appears on your credit report as if it's your debt, and very likely you have full responsibility for that debt, including any collection charges or repossession charges or anything else. So in that case, you really do want to negotiate with the collection agency or the company maybe repossessing the automobile and try to work it out. And keep in mind that they can sue you. If the, if the first person can't pay, they can sue you. So you do want to resolve it. But furthermore, that's a situation where I think you would have some negotiating leverage as far as getting it off your credit report. If you were the co-signer, you were an innocent co-signer, and you agreed to settle the debt or pay it off, you could probably get them to agree to remove it from your credit because you're doing the right thing there. And then you have a section about managing unpaid medical debts, and that's a huge problem these days, a lot of medical debt. If that's kind of hanging over you, how do you resolve that? Yeah, actually, I remember receiving a call last year from a real estate investor. His credit score had tanked because of a $50 bill that had slipped through the cracks. He had had surgery. He had paid everything else off in cash. But this $50 bill slipped through, went to collections, and appeared on his credit report and, and just dropped his credit score like a rock. So you do have to stay on top of medical bills. And like anything else, it's going to be a negotiating process. But what you shouldn't do, you shouldn't assume that just because insurance is supposed to pay it, that it is going to be paid. You should stay in touch with the medical provider, and if if it's being disputed with insurance, try to negotiate and tell them, you know, I don't want this to end up in collections, but I do think my insurance company is supposed to pay. Will you, will you let me know if it's going to send, end up in collections and try to stay on top of it so you can hopefully avoid that scenario. And if your insurer is, is not or has not paid what they're supposed to pay, how do you deal with that? Well, very likely there's probably a contract that leaves it as your responsibility. So you have two options at that point. One is just to pay it and then try to go after the insurance company. The other is to try to negotiate with the medical provider to see if they will uh, let you pay it at a reduced rate. Maybe they'll let you pay it at the rate the insurance company would have paid, for example, or maybe they'll let you make payments on the debt to keep it out of collections, or they may have a, a financial hardship program that can help you um, reduce the amount of debt. But it's not easy. I don't want to say it's going to be easy, but it is something worth expending some time and energy to try to resolve rather than having those bills push you into bankruptcy. And if they do, if, if it is a lo- very large amount, thousands of dollars, then I'd prefer to see a consumer consult a bankruptcy attorney sooner rather than later after they've exhausted maybe their retirement funds or other things that are protected. But, but you're saying a lot of people are much too lackadaisical about medical debt and don't think it's really going to hurt them and don't really deal with it. In fact, it can hurt them quite badly. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's so much lackadaisical as just being busy and overwhelmed and wanting to avoid it. And unfortunately, this is something you just can't put off. You, you, you have to deal with it and you have to be aggressive often about dealing with it. 
Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler, uh, who's written many books on uh, credit. Her, her website uh, that she works with is credit.com. Uh, at that website, you can get a copy of her new book, which is called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts, uh, Learn How to Stop Collector Harassment, Exercise Your Debt Collection Rights, Negotiate Lower Payoffs, and Protect Your Credit Scores. And we'll be back after this. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve total wealth management. Listen to three-dimensional wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three-Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Jerry Detweiler, who's a credit expert with Credit.com. Her new book is called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. Thank you. Um, we haven't talked about car loans yet and uh, getting your car repossessed, uh, having a repo there. Uh, how can you protect yourself in that case, and, and how does that affect your credit? Well, repossessions are very serious, of course. They're one of the most negative items on your credit report. And what a lot of people don't realize is just like with a car or with a home, if you turn in the keys because you can't afford it, you give it back, that doesn't necessarily uh, help you as far as your credit goes. It still will be reported as a voluntary repossession on your credit, and that's just as negative as a repossession. It just may have some advantages in terms of lowering the cost of repossession, but 
still it's it's not necessarily the safest strategy. I think the the one thing to understand about repossession is that of course it's covered by state law. So most, you know, most states have laws that govern what can happen and most of them have restrictions on what they can do to repossess. But one of the most common uh, that they can't do in, in every state is they can't breach the peace when they take your car. And that depends on state, what they, in the state law, what they can do. But typically, for example, they can't use physical force to, to take your car. They might not be able to bring a, um, a police officer along, for example, unless the police officer can repossess your car. They can't break into your garage to take your car. They may be able to come onto your property, but they may not be able to, uh, for example, go into a locked garage. Um, so if you if you are at risk of losing your car, it is important to do a couple of things. One is to remove anything that's personal property out of the car. So your CD player, any tapes you or CDs you have in the car, anything else, get that out of there because that may end up being taken in the repossession. But the other would be to talk to a consumer law attorney who may be able to help you prevent the repossession and stay, keep your car, even if it means having to, for example, file for bankruptcy to stop the repossession, but keep you with wheels that you can drive to get to work and take the kids to school or whatever else you need to do. Next area of repossession is your home and avoiding foreclosure. What are some of the things that debt collectors can and cannot do, and and what are some ways people can prevent foreclosure? Yeah, I I wish I had easy answers there. You know, I'm in Florida, which is one of the states that is really hard hit, but uh, there's a couple of things I I would suggest. One is talk to an attorney sooner rather than later. I just can't, can't tell you how many folks I've spoken to have waited too long to talk to an attorney, and they could have avoided some very serious financial mistakes had they gotten legal advice sooner rather than later. So even if you're in one of these toxic loans and you don't know whether you'll be able to afford it next year, get yourself down to talk to an attorney and see what might might work. We are seeing some lenders who still own their loans, who still have the ability to modify loans, starting to modify some loans. And then, of course, we have the recent case of, um, of Bank of America, which bought a lot of countrywide loans, being forced to modify certain loans. So some of those things are helpful, but um, but it's a tough situation. And the best thing you can do is get help from someone who can give you a legal opinion, and that consultation is usually free. So a lawyer isn't really what's necessary in a case like that. I think it's absolutely the first call you want to make. I, certainly the Hope Now hotline is one option, and you, of course you want to look into whether you can refinance your home, maybe with an FHA loan or one of the new products that are out there to help consumers in trouble. But I wouldn't. I would not put off a conversation with an attorney just to find out what your rights are. In the new bailout bill, there were supposedly in the, the earlier bill, the Hope Now bill, there were supposedly some uh, parts of that, that uh, you know, allowing consumers to avoid foreclosure. Have those been effective to some extent? Um, unfortunately, no. The main. The main provision that would help consumers the most has not made it into law yet, and that would be allowing bankruptcy judges the ability to modify a loan for a consumer in bankruptcy. They can do this if it's an investment property, but they cannot do it if it's the home you live in, which is just does not seem fair and it isn't helping the situation at all. But there is talk, depending on how the elections go and, and what we see in, in Congress um, in the next term, uh, I, I'm hopeful that we can see uh, return to what used to be the law, and that was allowing the bankruptcy judge the ability to lower the interest rate or modify the principal on a loan so the consumer could stay in their home. One thing you say you can do is to deed your home back 
uh, to the mortgage lender, the so-called deed in lieu of foreclosure. Is that being done more, more commonly these days? Um, it is something people are starting to walk away from their home, but even there, I recommend you talk to an attorney because um, there may be what's called a deficiency on the home. So in other words, let's say you are upside down on your home. You owe more than it's worth. You deed it back to the lender. You send them back the keys and say, have the house. Um, and and in the meantime, it ends up getting damaged or stripped by vandals or whatever else may happen, and they finally sell it in a foreclosure for very little money, you may owe a deficiency. You may owe them money for the difference between what you owed and the fair market value of the house at the time it was sold, and that could be a lot of money. So you need an attorney's opinion to help you figure out um, what to do there as far as the deficiency goes and find out whether you need to consider something like bankruptcy to erase that deficiency or they could come after you uh, a few years down the line. Let's just step back a little bit. We've gone into the details of dealing with debt collectors. Give me a sense of the intensity of the credit crunch as you see it and how it's affecting consumers these days. Well, as I mentioned when we first talked, Jordan, you and I both have been following this industry for a long time, and I have never seen it so rough. Um, I'm talking to a lot of people who are very, very scared, um, sometimes suicidal, um, and they, they just don't know how to deal with their debts. And the good thing is Americans are optimistic. The bad, things, the bad thing is we're optimistic. And so what we do sometimes is wait too long and make very expensive mistakes trying to turn things around on our own. We can be too self-reliant. So if there's nothing else I can suggest is, you know, number one is if you're depressed or you're not sleeping or the stress is killing you, please see a doctor so you can get some help there. If a loved one is going through that, take them down to the doctor. I mean, get them some medical help to deal with that. And then the second thing is reach out for help, whether it's starting with a credit counseling agency, talking to a consumer law attorney, even if it's not the route you want to go, by understanding your options, you will feel a lot better. You'll, you'll, under, you'll know what your options are, and you'll be able to make a better choice than you might be able to on your own or just listening to people who may not be fully informed of what your rights are. What, what is the impact going to be of the government's uh, you know, injecting capital and taking over banks? And the government's really injecting itself dramatically into the banking system these days. Is that going to make credit flow more easily to consumers, do you think? Well, you know, the, the problem isn't credit so much credit flowing easier. I mean, it is in some sense, especially for small business owners. But if you think about it, this, that's what's gotten us to where we are, is credit flowing too easily. So really what's, what's going to change things is, um, is, is going to take longer. It's going to be, you know, creating more jobs and better paying jobs. It's going to be dealing with the whole medical debt issue, which leads to so many bankruptcies. It's going to be looking at the bankruptcy law that was reformed in 2005 and probably needs to be updated again to reflect the re- reality of the situation and help people get through this crisis. So, you know, I'd like to say that that would help, and it's going to help in certain sectors, but for the person who's struggling, you shouldn't count on a quick turnaround. We're not going to return to where we were two years ago in a, in two years. I think we're going to be in a different place in two years, and we really need to rethink rethink how we're approaching our finances. As we get ready to close here, uh, just tell people one more time how they can uh, find out about your book and what some of the resources available are at uh, credit.com. Sure. If you go to credit.com and then just put in forward slash stop debt collectors, you'll find the 
free worksheet you can download, as well as information about the book, which is available as an e-book, so you can download it quickly along with a, a longer interview that goes into these details. And then at Credit.com, we have a lot of different articles, um, credit cards and things to help you. So by all means, if you're looking for some credit information, we hope we can we can provide that useful information for you. Well, thanks very much, Jerry. It's been fascinating. There's really a lot of things people can do. Uh, to deal with debt collectors. They're not just completely powerless. So there is the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, and we've talked about a lot of the different things that people can do to defend themselves and do much better with their debt than they've ever thought uh, possible in the past. And again, for people wanting to find out more about the book, it's called Stop Debt Collectors, How to Protect Your Rights and Resolve Your Debts, and you can go to credit.com and find out more about it. So thanks again for Jerry. I, th- I think you've really given people a lot of hope in this area. Thank you. I appreciate it. And we'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. The Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. 